Hey, everybody. Welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting catty corner across the table from me as she's uh, trying to wrap up her work day is Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Guys, let's just get right into it. It's the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. What do we have this week, Jenny? In honor of the... I don't know the name of the stadium for the Jacksonville Jaguars. TIAA something field? Huh. Okay, in honor of that, we are drinking their beer of choice, Corona. There were so many Corona murals and trash cans. Decals and signage, yeah. It's, It's a lot. You can tell it's a southern, beachy, almost... Type city instead of the Budweiser. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, also, you know, we're like, we're a COVID 19 friendly podcast. So, Corona had nothing to do with this, guys. (laughs) All right, let's see. Let's see that. Hear that crack. Nothing. Oh, that was unsatisfying. Let me get the other one here. Oh, Megan, you're going to be picking up the slack on the pop of the week, I think, this week. Yeah. Not much to that. I mean, I heard it, it, and I like the like after effect of the the top hitting at the table. Like, sure. yeah. But Megan, what do you have for us? Uh, I have my good old reliable Shandon today. Woo-hoo. I'm just gonna start switching out Mum and Shandon every other week. That's just how it's gotta be. <laughs> All right, I'm going to see, I'm using a fancy new champagne opener that I was gifted by Jenny and Andy, so I'm going to see if this makes it go any better. Is this the debut of the champagne opener? Yeah, because I messed up, and after I received it, I did beer last week, so, you know, just uh, really killing it with timing. Ooh. Wow. And how little I had to struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, that no was more, nice. No more struggle city. No, it felt I felt very powerful. Thank you so much for this uh, nifty little tool. You're welcome. You're very welcome. All right, guys, let's get into it. What a week we had in AEW land. They returned to live uh, programming this week. And that was a choice they made. It was a choice they made. And I actually just want to, before we do being the elite, I just want to get um, to one news item kind of right off the bat, which is from post wrestling yesterday, the story about kind of how that taping went as IATSE, which is a, uh, a union, like a production union in Florida issued a statement regarding workers on site at Daly's Place for uh, yesterday's episode of Dynamite. Uh, We reopened with AEW All Elite Wrestling safely at Daly's Place Amphitheater today. A COVID-19 rapid test was given to every stagehand, road crew, venue staff, and talent before entering the venue. Portable wash stations, hand sanitizer stations, mandatory masks covering, social distancing, especially at breaks at all times. We didn't ask to be the first, but we are, and we are working to keep it safe. Uh, no, they chose to be the first. Well, the union didn't ask to be the first. Well, sure, that's yeah. true. 
And uh, Tony Khan was also on uh, this week's AEW Unrestricted podcast, and I think they, they moved it to Wednesday this week especially uh, so they could talk to Tony about the... Because this was the first one... This is the first episode that wasn't pre... Uh, from the pre-COVID era. Megan, did you get a chance to listen to Unrestricted this week? I did. I really enjoyed the interview with Tony, and I know that obviously they wouldn't make him sound like a jerk, but he really did seem like he cared about his people and was trying, despite the fact that it would be most responsible to just tape everything forever. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was interesting uh, his kind of insight onto how that last set of tapings in Atlanta was run, and he said he got the inspiration from uh, a friend of his who's a writer for Jimmy Fallon, and he saw how they were uh, incorporating the writing staff and crew to serve as audience members. Uh, in the early days of you know the uh, the pandemic, and that's so that's where the wrestlers in the crowd idea came from. That was a good idea. Yeah, it's a very good idea. He said that they had about twenty five percent of the roster available to them in uh, in Georgia, and uh, so and you know, you can kind of see it with those shows because it's it's really it really did get to be pretty repetitive with the people that we saw week after week after week. Um, uh, he said that uh, Aubrey Edwards uh, refereed 20 matches within a 24-hour period and spent 19 days in Jacksonville and Georgia at a hotel. A hotel After? D- during that whole period. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Wait, I thought, you, I thought you said, maybe I misheard, that she refereed 24 matches... 20 matches in a 24-hour period. Right, but so why was she down there for 19... How does that because match she, up to the 19 days? Sorry. She was there for the the ones in Jacksonville where they were still going live as well. And then she went to Georgia. Oh, okay, her. but she didn't fly home in between. Right, yeah. Okay. And uh, he also said it was Jericho just said... He wasn't expecting Jericho to come, but Jericho just offered to... He knew that Ross and Excalibur weren't going to be there, so he offered to come do commentary with Tony for the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, so... Uh, he said there will come a day when they do have to let people go, but now is not the time. And he said in the big picture, they're in good shape and characterize themselves as the second healthiest company in the industry. He did point out that they had lost millions and millions of dollars in live event revenue yeah um so uh you know they had they had twelve thousand tickets sold for that march 25th show at the prudential center in newark and uh yeah who knows who knows when we'll ever get to a point where we can have twelve thousand people in a building again so uh if ever yeah anyway so that was kind of that's that was just kind of that stuff i wanted to get into before we talk. Uh, did, did, Megan, did you have any other thoughts on that uh, podcast that I, anything I didn't mention? Uh, no, I think you covered all the high points. It, Tony Khan is just a charming man, and I'm so glad he's not an evil leader of this wrestling company. So I was not just, yet. yeah, I mean, he's, I guess he has he's a young and he's, on the edge. He's young in the game still. Oh, uh, it's true, but it's so refreshing to have this positive, nice person who everyone's like, "Thank you for keeping us safe and uh, giving us options not to come to work and quarantine if needed, and still paying us." Like that was so refreshing and nice to hear after so many, you know, downer news stories. 
in unrelated categories, but just in general, I was like, oh, Tony Khan, you're a good guy. When he said the thing about a time will come when we'll have to make cuts, did you did you take that as meaning like there will be cuts that are a result of this because of money lost, but I don't want to do it during the pandemic? Or did you take it as just like naturally over time, you know, people will cycle in and out? Uh, the second one, I, I took it as in the course of running a business, you're eventually going to have to get to the point where you fire someone. And I don't think like anybody would be on the chopping block because of the pandemic. I just think he he's he had made the comment, we haven't had to cut anybody yet, like at, in the course of being a company, not just in the pandemic time. So I equated it with as a company, we still haven't had to cut anybody, but we will eventually because realistically you have to. Megan, I, I want to, you know, because we're not a video podcast, I want to inform you that Jenny is vehemently, uh, vehemently, I should say, shaking her head about uh, this statement that she did not hear from Tony Khan <laughs> and your interpretation oh. of it, which you did hear. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, I, I mean, I expect that, but that was, that's just my interpretation of it. Listeners who also listened to that interview, please draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Jenny, do not, since you didn't listen to it. But no, I, I would assume that he's talking about they've lost millions of dollars during this COVID-19 times, that they're talking about cuts as a result of this. And probably, I would think, within the next six months, he's going to have to make some cuts if they continue to not have any revenue coming in from these shows. Regardless. That's just inevitable. Regardless, I think it's good that if he can delay it until the Indies are at a state where they can at least be yeah. running again, you know? So Because if you cut somebody right now, like, they, they, they can't do anything else because the independent promotions aren't running. No, agreed. And I, I think it's admirable that he's holding off on making any of those cuts at this moment. I think that's great. I'm proud of him for that. Yeah. I, I know that we had some speculation a couple weeks ago about whether or not they would be picking up anyone that got cut from WWE, like Rusev or... Um, that one guy who's friends with Cody. Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder. Um, uh, I would think that this probably puts that at jeopardy of them not having the revenue coming in, of being able to like get a big get like a Rusev or something like that. Given they did a uh, um, revival slash revolt tease at the end of BTE last week, I think we could... Yeah, but they're cheaper sure than a Rusev. Well, yeah, 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 but I'm saying, like, I think that's probably, like, the big new talent, you know. That's, sure. that's probably where the talent budget's going right now for new new people. Now, with that being said, did you listen to the Jericho interview with The Revolt? I did. They have, uh, they have a lot of tag teams they'd like to work with. Yes, and a lot of places they'd like to go before settling in on a... They don't want to have a rebound relationship, I believe is how they put it. Yeah, yeah, but they, they, they it was, they were, I, I thought they were very strategic. They, they, they named a team from Impact, a team from Ring of Honor, a team from AEW, and two teams from New Japan. They, they, they kind of covered all their bases. Way to play the field. Yeah. Hey, they're, they have diplomacy, I guess. I thought that interview with them was really good as well. Did you come away liking them? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a danger, isn't it? It humanizes people. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I got to keep the characters separate so that I can continue to hate them. But yeah. these guys seem nice. And yeah. they I thought it was hilarious that they weirdly had the opposite problem 
of Brody Lee where Vince was like, don't talk with Southern accents. That's bad. And they're like, but this is our accent. And Brody Lee, he was trying to force to talk with a Southern accent. And he was just like, I'm from New York. Please don't. So Vince is so fickle. He's just, he just, and he just gets weirder and weirder the older he gets. All right. Being the Elite, episode 202, an old carny trick. The kickout challenge returned, but this week it was uh, the Bucks pinning Brandon over and over again. He, he was um, unable to kick out despite the focus being on near falls. He just got pinned over and over again by different young Bucks maneuvers. I enjoyed this again. Yes, I think this is a good gimmick for Brandon Cutler. I really enjoyed uh, the usage of Broken Matt Hardy as the one who explained what a false finish is to the uh, to the viewers. Agreed. Uh, the through line of this episode was the Young Bucks and apparently their baby brother, <laughs> Malachi Jackson, playing uh, horse throughout the episode, but they played BTE instead. Uh, I thought he was older, is he that, not? I, that's what I, I, I had just assumed that. Because he looks older than them, but he is, yeah. he is apparently the baby. I assume because he retired that he was maybe older. I just assumed that he wasn't any good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they, yeah, we'd go back and back to the, the basketball court. and uh, They've gotten a lot of uh, mileage out of that basketball court over the past few weeks. If you've got a basketball court as part of your home... I say use it. Yeah. Tax deductions. <laughs> uh, Tony and Cody had a segment, a, re- a rare Cody Rhodes appearance on uh, BTE these days. And uh, it's all about Tony's newfound addiction to PlayStation 4. And uh, he determines that he has to get rid of it. It was kind of, it was kind of random. Do you think Tony actually plays you think he's a gamer i could buy it i mean he's a he's a, like a star wars and star trek he's a sci-fi nerd so i could see him being a video game nerd too okay i hoped that there was realism to that not that he had like a crippling gaming addiction but just that he had a ps4 he did mention that like you know he he's you know he had the four kids when he talked to when he interviewed aubrey last week and talked about her like you know, game background. Mm-hmm. He did mention that like there were always like consoles in the house when his kids were growing up. So how old are his, how old are his kids now? They're all in like their twenties and thirties. So he would have had to have purchased that PS4 for himself. It was actually his. No, he said he he said he did. That's what he said, and he he gave specific examples of like uh, took him five hours to beat Bane in Arkham Asylum, which is a very old game, but you can play it on the PS4. So. I'm willing to believe it. Okay. Good. Luchasaurus finds Super Panda digging through the trash behind Panda Express, making him a trash panda. They they reconcile. Rocket. Yeah. They reconcile, and Super Panda goes off with Luchasaurus to help him find his tail. Did I miss anything, Megan? Um, I might be the wrong person to ask, because these last couple Luchasaurus segments, I've just kind of zoned out 
I don't this, think you did. <laughs> this was better than the the weird wrestling match you had with a like a dinosaur uh, slash evil coach from like the uh, Florida Championship Wrestling last week. Yes, that's true. Speaking of bad stuff, I skipped oh. the Benito Bodega segment with Taz. I didn't, but I don't really think it was. You didn't miss anything. Okay. I Can we figure not. out who Benino Bodega actually is? I thought it's, we did, didn't we? No. He's like a, I think he's a production guy. Didn't we see him in like one of the Road 2s or something? Yeah, yeah he's like, um, who is Benino Bodega AEW? Alex Abrahantes. Okay, now who is Alex Abrahantes? I was going to say, that doesn't help. He hosts, um, okay, so he works for QVC, uh, and he's also a host of the AEW Dynamite pre-show that airs on, uh, like, Fight TV. Okay. As a subscriber to AEW+, I'm surprised you don't know this. You know, I haven't explored all my <laughs> subscription features. <laughs> Private party segments are getting really weird. They're still, like, they look, I think they look the best of anything on the show these days, as far as, like, the actual filming. But they're getting very strange. The teddy bear took out both of uh, both members of the private party. And uh, then uh, Isaiah Cassidy had a vision of the scary masked man. I I fear that thing. It looks really, really scary. Yeah, it is, it's creepy. And finally, Hangman Page makes what else? Sourdough bread. Except he doesn't actually make sourdough bread. He goes through the motions of making sourdough bread, but never puts any ingredients in anything. And then he just uh, pulls a uh, what looked like a pre-sliced store-bought loaf of sourdough bread out of the oven. Also, his dick is out. Wait, his dick was out? Like, what do you mean? Like, out-out? So, they so he's standing, they covered he's standing, it. He's standing in front of the kitchen counter, but then when he, like, turns to walk and, like, go get go get something, like, they they block out because they, the, the impression you're given is that he's not wearing anything, like, on the bottom. Oh. Your favorite look. <laughs> Was they call it the Donald Duck. Yes, he was. They call it the Donald Duck. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Hangman freaks out and has a bit of an existential breakdown when his wife confirms that he didn't sanitize the flower bag when they brought it into the house. And uh, he indicates that he has to take some kind of action, and I had hoped that the action would be to drive to Jacksonville, but alas. Yeah. I was... Not counting on him being there, and he's continuing to be responsible, which good for him, but bad for us. Yeah. I'm proud of my hangman. <laughs> that takes us to AW Dark for May 5th, 2020. Uh, I have a feeling this show might start to become like a little bit more important again starting next week, as far as like caliber of matches on it. Um, just because they had more of the roster available to film this week. Uh, we had 10 debuting over Ryan Piles via Spinebuster in 2 minutes and 30 seconds. Any thoughts on that uh, banger, Megan? 
It was real quick, and for a brief second before they brought out his opponent, I thought Ryan Piles was the guy that was supposed to be in the Dark Order. No, I thought he was, uh, whatever that guy's name was. Yeah, that's the thing. I forgot his name, and then I'm like, I've seen you before, Ryan Piles. Are you the one? And then the Dark Order guy came out, and I had a like a confusing crisis. Sammy Guevara defeated Sean Dean via burning GTS in six minutes and 15 seconds. I don't like that it's called burning GTS. <laughs> <laughs> you think of like urinary tract infections? Yes. Okay. And in the main event, Kip Sabian defeated Colt Cabana via low blow after a Penelope Ford distraction in 10 minutes and 25 seconds. They let those two go a long time. I thought they worked well together. Yeah. I once again did not see the show, so. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to take an authoritative stance and say they worked well together. Um, I I tried to watch it. Once again, I tried to watch it this week, and I, I I failed. It was like I tried to watch it as it aired, and it just kept hitching. Oh, And then I didn't go back to it on demand. See, I never try to watch it when it airs, and I think that's my, that's why it always works out for me. Right, yeah. But um, I will say, there was a, a weird thing that they were pushing where Penelope Ford was able to distract Colt because apparently Colt is a ladies' man. And they, like, kept going back to that well a lot. Like, I don't he know. Was like, like he was sweet on her? Yeah. Okay. Yes. They're kind of pushing the angle towards that direction, which is weird, but I guess, sure. Um, like, they emphasize that he originally got in a fight with Kip because of Penelope, like, commenting on Penelope, and then when she tried to distract him, you know how she tried to distract Orange, and Orange Cassidy is just, like, impenetrable? Colt actually stopped and looked at her, and they are like, Colt's a real ladies' man, so... <laughs> and it was like, at one point, Kip went in for the kiss, and she was like, no, you're losing. And so they tried to make kind of a thing out of that. Um, it was just kind of a a weird focus they put on it, but the match itself was really good. That's strange. Um, I, I don't think I would have thought of Colt as a ladies' man. Me neither. <laughs> I was confused by the whole thing. It was confusing. Well, it's not confusing was this week's episode of Dynamite and Megan. Would you care to... Well, there were some confusing parts. Would you care to whisk us away to Daly's Place? Yes. We'll go there live. Because we're doing that now. Yeah. Gotta be Um, honest. I was pretty excited. It... You know, like, I felt that pang of guilt when I got excited (sighs) to see the open air, more people around the outside, because they had a wider range of the roster available and they filled it in a little more. I was, I was happy. And the commentary team is back to what it used to be. We got Excalibur and JR to return. So Tony has two friends instead of just one. I, I was, I was so happy to have to see the commentary friends back together. They, they seemed so psyched. Yeah. They were happy to see each other after so long. So that was I'm trying to look at the the good points of this, the brighter side of if they're going to do it, at least we can point to these sources of joy. And they tested everybody. They 
like it. I appreciated that. That because the last time they got everyone together, they said they took people's temperatures, and this is something that one, if you're, it takes two weeks up to two weeks to present symptoms, and two, you can carry it without showing any symptoms. So, yeah. I I really appreciated the fact that they took that extra step of testing people. Now, now these tests are not one hundred percent. Well, yeah, and yeah. with tests being at a premium and like not readily available is it the moral here's the thing about that here's something i learned today and this is going to disgust you oh gosh tests are not at a premium in the state of florida why because they don't believe this virus because ron DeSantis, the governor of florida is a trump ass kisser oh so he got more allocated to him yeah Ugh. Yeah. Now, it's there are a couple different versions of the test, right? Are these the ones that say these? These are the rapid, uh, like fifteen-minute result tests. Yeah, but there were okay. I forget the difference between the two, but weren't some like they only show if you've had the virus because there are that's, antibodies that's, present? That's the antibody test. Yeah. Okay, so these are like you definitely have it or you don't well, currently. Yeah, I don't know if there are false positives for it, but I'm sure I would guess that there probably are false negatives, just be, like there are with almost any test. But yeah. Well, yeah, because Theoret- I also theoretically, yeah. I thought testing for this was still kind of iffy in general. It is, and I think we're like we're living in a state that has like one of the lower numbers of tests. I think like we're forty third. In testing capacity? In testing capacity. We have a Republican governor. Well, yeah, but he's, like, not handling it. He's handling it in a good way. Yeah, yeah. He believes science on this one, and now we're being punished for it. Exactly. Well, I guess, you know, we're safer because he believes science on it, but now we're getting into this phase where we're being punished. Yeah. But, yeah, but, like, point is, once I saw, once I heard that they were testing everyone and... I, I did feel better about things. Yeah. And there were some people wearing masks that were like wrestlers, but all the crew, it looked like definitely was wearing masks. Um, like the wrestlers on the sideline. It just, uh, actually, it just made the atmosphere so much better having so many more people there, you know? Yeah. I, when Tony Khan mentioned that in his interview, just being like, this is where I got the idea and how he had watched other shows, not just wrestling shows, but talk shows where they didn't have anybody in the studio and how dead it seemed. I was like, I'm so glad you're in charge and doing putting in the work because it really is like even this, this episode where they went to a larger venue, all the wrestlers on the outside were yelling and cheering the whole time. And it, it did feel like there was a crowd. It felt like at least people were present and participating in the show. Could have done without Sean Spears' blow horn. Man up. <laughs> God, that was obnoxious. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, but at least he, he kept it to little short bursts and didn't just like, the whole time. Sure, he was conscious of his complete... Annoying, I, I, being obnoxious. I, I don't know. 
He's married to like, one of your favorite people. You have to. I know. The only way, if he ever, if they ever want me to like him, they're going to have to bring his wife on. <laughs> well, we'll see when the finances get better. Uh, did you notice that at the beginning when they were panning through the the sideline, like the side of the ring and showing the wrestlers who was who were there, um, Jimmy Havoc offered Kip one of his scary face masks as as like protection, I guess. Yes, I did. I thought I also was- I also noticed Orange Cassidy was wearing his uh, I don't know how he must have gotten a prototype ahead of time of his uh, pro wrestling tease mask. Is like his uh, denim, his denim face mask. Oh, nice! Uh, Darby <laughs> Allen has a really cool one on pro wrestling tees where it's half of a um, yeah jaw. I like WWE and AEW put out their face masks on pretty much the same day, which again is like about a month after they probably should have. Yeah, and they're both charging twelve ninety nine a pop for them, Ooh. which is just it's a lot. I told Megan like, man, I can't wait till because you know the way WWE.com works or the way WWE shop works, I can't wait until like. Six months from now, when I can buy, you know, a bunch of those WWE masks for like nothing because they're in the clearance. Bin. Well, yeah, but we won't need them by that point. Whenever yeah. they put them in the clearance, we won't need them. I, I don't know. I think we'll probably. I think people are probably going to stick with masks for quite a while. Uh, I don't know. The recommendation. It it seems like the trend of recommendations from, you know, doctors and stuff is, we should be wearing them, into next year when we're you know, what we're out about. Because people are going to do stupid things and not, you know, follow the the standards. And then people are going to backslide. Yeah. And you just, I guess you just got to be one of the ones that protects yourself because other people definitely aren't all going to be on board. Well, they don't protect you. They protect other people. So in order to protect yourself, you need the other person to wear it. Right, it's not a hundred percent rate of protection, but I think I saw like the stats where if you're wearing a mask and somebody infected isn't, the infection rate, like chance is like seventy percent, but that's still better than a hundred. I agree with that. And most stores and stuff are going to have their workers wearing masks, so it would be a mask mask situation. So it's it's still a good thing to have. But, they really uh, told us not to wear masks in the beginning, just to so people didn't hoard them, right? Yeah, I think it and was so hospitals could get hospitals could yeah. get them. Yeah, yeah. But now that people are Which, like make, making their own, it's okay. Yeah, I unfortunately am not a sewer. I am not either. So. Is is your friend gonna have a craft day and make masks for you? Um, she did make us some. because uh, nice. she was making a batch for I think to donate. So and she had extra fabric. Um, and they're really nice. They're really cool. I like that they're fabric, so they're more than one use, obviously. But right, yeah, like you have to wash them. I can see if I can get you one, but they're not as cool as like they don't have AE branded AEW branded stuff. Uh, they're just like fabric scraps. That's true. We bought some off of Etsy, but they mm. also are not like cool. They're just fabric. Sure. <laughs> it is what it's all we need. We bought our uh, niece and nephew um, Disney 
made some, so but they're on back order until like July. So well no, they're they're on pre order. They don't mm. even come out until Did you That's... cancel the first? No, I need to I need, oh thanks for reminding me. That's so far in there, this... right? Yeah. All right, dynamite. Well, Jimmy Havoc offered up a scary face mask, and I don't think it's going to do much because it's got a lot of holes in it, but I thought it was a cute gesture. Kip Sabian did, I don't know if this was when it happened, but he also did the uh, taking off sunglasses meme for it to reveal another pair of sunglasses at some point. Oh my god. I don't think it was then because he was reaching over to get the mask, but I totally yeah. missed that, and I love yeah. that that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Megan, do you think that Marty Scroll is wearing his um, Plague Doctor mask? Yeah. I hope so. Just for fun. Oh. God, I'd be terrified if I saw that out in the wild. Yeah, that keeps people more than six feet away from you. Mm-hmm. Through fear. It's a good tactic. All right. Enough face mask talk. Let's get into it. Because our first match of the night includes someone we haven't seen in a while, Joey Janela. And I can't believe how excited I was to see Joey Janela. It's a thing, yeah. I never, <laughs> a thing I never thought I'd feel or say. Um, but it was it was a fun opening match. Cody did win. He did his crossroads as a finishing move, which I, we all speculated he was getting away from. But he brought it back. Um, but yeah, this was like Joey's back, guys. So is the crossroads a dangerous move again? I don't know. I guess. I thought he was moving away from it because MJF was doing the double crossroads. And because Sean Spears kicked out of two of them. That That's, yeah, that too. I guess it is. He got Joey. Maybe Joey's just got ring rust. It was very surprising. What was more surprising were Joey Janela's pants. They were something. They, Kenny, they, tell Megan, us what is that called? So it looked like, so he had, on the front of his pants, he had a section that were, like, um, foil streamers. So, like, if you have ever been to maybe, like, a frat party and they put streamers between doorways that kind of hang down that are foily and sparkly, that's what was his pants Burn. Yeah, it kind of looked like the Young Bucks fringe, but it was made of sparkly foil, as you said. Like <laughs> cellophane? Was, yeah. Yeah, and it was like a, like, it wasn't a loincloth, but it kind of covered the area that a loincloth would. It, it was did. only like at the front. It was, it was a strange choice. Like, maybe he had, had those custom made for his spring ba- break frat party, but then had to cancel it. Hmm. Maybe. Can you imagine the shipment of White Claw that got delayed somewhere, like, along the way? It's oh like a, probably like a truck full of it just stalled out somewhere in, in, uh, on the way to Tampa. It's probably just in his house. I was going to say, he's probably got a basement <laughs> full of White Claw that he's going to be working through. Um, let's see. There was a spot in this match where Joey Janela went up to the top of the ramp, because, you know, this is Daly's place, so they got that set up where the, the ramp is elevated and is, like, on the same level as the ring. And 
he ran towards Cody, who was standing outside the ring, also on the ramp. And what, Megan, what was he trying, what was he, what was the goal of that spot? Because I think it got, I think they punted on it and uh, did something else. Yeah, I don't know, because what ultimately happened was he launched himself at Cody, just kind of jumping up into the air and forward. And Cody just slapped him into the ropes. Yeah, I don't know. They didn't. They didn't make an effort to like. They didn't make an effort to redo it either. So I think. (laughs) No, I would have expected like a running knee or maybe a punch or kick, but he just literally jumped straight forward at Cody, not in a spear way. I, I want to emphasize he was perfectly vertical, and just went towards Cody, and then got slapped to the side. It was really anticlimactic for the buildup where he walked back through the tunnel and then ran. Yeah. Hikaru Shida caught the, uh, caught the weight belt this week. She did. Yeah. They kept cutting to her. She got a lot of camera reaction time. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, good match. I liked it. It was, it was like, like you, I was happy to see Joey after, you know, probably about a month. Yeah. His hair was very frizzy in that Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that they might not have had, like, hair and makeup. Uh, yeah, that's probably fair. It's easy to just cut some people, you know, keep the backstage low on yeah. staff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I really liked when Cody Boone salted off the stage. It looks, looked dangerous, but... Joey caught him, so good job. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it, not... out, it would not. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it turns out it, it didn't end the match the way I expected it to. No, I mean, yeah, you expect when a guy hits his finisher that you know. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's because he was outside. I think that's why. And as it turned out, it would uh, not be the most difficult. Uh, it would not be the highest degree of difficulty moonsaults uh, of the evening. Holy no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. Because that was, yeah. But before we do, we'll go on to the next one. And that is a video package of Nyla Rose. Because she is here tonight. One of the, the people joining us again. And we get kind of just highlights to remind us where we were before this all happened. And... We see clips of Nyla defeating Riho to get the title and then just systematically going after other women on the roster who dared challenge her. Uh, There was the question asked by the narrator of this video, what will become of the AEW women's division in these uncertain times? But they, which is like, I don't know, the same thing that becomes of all the divisions, (laughs) but we'll see. (laughs) Um, They did highlight three potential opponents for the belt and those were Dr. Britt Baker as a role model mm-hmm. Hikaru Shida because she is number one contender and Penelope Ford and that I think just generally because she's a badass so yeah um, I thought this video package was really good it was like a, a nice way to kind of reset the division and, and, and give you some direction going forward which you know unfortunately because of I think they only had Sheeta and Baker as far as like actual like and Ford, I guess, uh, for the last few weeks. Without a champion, it was kind of there wasn't really anything going on with the women. I forgot that Ni- 
Nyla was the champion. Nyla was the champion. Or that there was a champion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I, so I thought this video package was perfect and kind of like just reminding everyone that like, okay. And it, it, and it wrote out Rio in like a kind of a low key way, because obviously she's not going to be able to get back until people are allowed to start traveling from Japan again. Yeah, unfortunately, but it was, you're right. It was a good way to kind of close that chapter. And really Nyla became champion right before all this started. It was such unfortunate timing. Yeah. I'm so glad that uh, Sheeta made the decision to move to America full time. Yes. Because she'd be, if, if she hadn't, if she had just been trying to do the same thing Rio's doing, then she would have been stuck over there in the exact same position as well. Yeah. Yeah. And she's been great even pre-pandemic, obviously, but it was good to see her. And it was good to see Chris Statlander there because at least that's that's another person who can contend, even though she wasn't listed in this lineup here. But I miss the rest of the roster. She was on. Uh, Sheeta was on. I, I should probably I should probably start talking about Road Two because honestly, I'm like I'm enjoying Road Two more than being the elite a lot of weeks now. But there was a segment on Road Two where Cody and Tony and QT were all in the uh, in the office. And uh, Cody teleconferenced Sheeta in just so she could play the piano because uh, Cody wanted to, or uh, Cody wanted Tony to hear her play. And so she just like played an entire song as they all sat there and just like listened to her. Oh, that's adorable! It was it was like legitimately lovely. That's so uplifting too. What a nice way to bond when you can't all be together. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That's loved nice. it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I'm glad she's around because we all love her and she's great. So mm-hmm. thank you for moving to America and also documenting it on your Instagram. These yes. events must be documented. <laughs> We're filming. <laughs> <laughs> this is a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> God, it was so good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. So we... We get to see Nyla again and remember who she is and when she won the championship and what's going on. Um, And then Tony, our favorite guy, goes out to interview her on the stage. And he does not get any words in, really, because she intimidates him to the point where he's he's giving her six feet distance, just not because of the quarantine, because he's scared. And Nyla just pretty much steamrolls him as far as questions and makes the claim that she is and will always be the most dominant women's champion and bring it on. So Tony sulks back to his place on the announce team. And as he's making his way back, Excalibur calls him a human mic stand, which is sad, but accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Nyla was very mean to Tony and like not in the kind of fun way that Britt Baker is mean to Tony. No, she scared him. She was, she was very mean, and she scared him away, yeah. Oh, poor Tony. But he, you know, he's okay. So, Nyla always... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, like, Andy Cohen always talks about how when you want a villain in a villain for a show, you want to love to hate them, not mm-hmm. hate to hate them. Yeah. But, like, maybe Nyla wants the hate to hate <laughs> Well, you don't hate her yet, do you? No. 
I just forgot about her. Okay. Which I don't know that that's good either. <laughs> I mean, all things considered, it's understandable. It'd be worse if it was like a weekly show where she was on and and you forgot. From True. Week. That would be worse. So Nyla Rose, in her first match back, is going to get the benefit of a smash-em. And she is up against a young woman who is 18, apparently, named Kenzie Page. Poor Kenzie Page just gets destroyed. Um, Nyla pins her once, but before the count gets to three, she pulls her back up just so that she can keep this whole thing going. But ultimately, she she pins her with the Beast Bomb. And Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida get camera time from the crowd, and they look mad. So they'll probably be going after her later, possibly next week. Wait, do they know this girl? No, they just don't like seeing people, like a good person get beat up by a bad person. Okay. I see that. Yeah. We know they announced a match for next week, Megan. A women's match. It's a four-way, right? It's a four-way uh, with Penelope Ford versus Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander versus Hikaru Shida. So I imagine that will have... Uh, Heavy implications for the uh, rankings and perhaps Nyla's double or nothing opponent. Indeed. From there, we get a video of MJF kind of updating us on where he's been. And this is pretty classic MJF. He is sitting in a red velvet chair with a glass of red wine in front of what is clearly a green screen that has been made to appear like an expensive apartment in a cityscape. Um, what are you talking about? It's, it's legit. Totally. <laughs> it looks so real. Uh, it kind of looked like the background you have available to you in like a Teams video call, a Microsoft Teams video call. It may be one. I haven't used it in a while. Mm. But uh, MJF is here to kind of lament how a lot of quote-unquote younger talent who are in their 30s are claiming that they're the next big thing, but really MJF is actually the next big thing. And all these insecure people keep moving the goalposts on him when they compare him to legends, kind of along the lines of MJF is good, but he's no, you know, Jake the Snake, or he listed various other people. Point being... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I did not write he, them down. The three that he listed uh, were uh, Ric Flair, The Rock, and Roddy Piper. Okay. Yeah, his point being that he's great and no one's willing to acknowledge it. Um, he's also 24. So compared to those 30-somethings, he is a 24-year-old man who is like no one you've ever seen before. And he's ready to reclaim his throne when he comes back next week. And at this point, there are, I guess, stagehands is what I'd call them. They pick up his red chair that he gets up and stands in front of, and they replace it with a throne. And this is when the green screen is super apparent. (laughs) Um, But MJF, you know, he's injury-free, and he's planning to return next week. And he, he gets a match booked, but we'll find out about that i believe later i forget or wait no i'm thinking something else did he get a an official opponent or is this a mjf in action next week this is an mjf in action this week okay 
I thought it was kind of funny that they showed this video after they had shown him multiple times in the audience, so it's clear he is already back. Yeah, and like then they did the, you know, like two segments from now, Tony talks to him. Like, like yeah. Yeah, like he, he is back, so I don't know. Yeah, it was weird that he was in front of a green screen because I, I just thought, oh, well, he's not here. And then he was there after the next commercial break. Yeah. It's confusing. I don't mind. I like I like uh, MJF promos, so we got two of them, basically. Yeah. It's hard to blame them for continuity in these weird times. That's fair. Maybe I'm just expecting too much. I'm assuming they made that video and then they found out they could be live and they didn't want to waste the video. That's possible, too. Yeah. Um, there is another video following this, and this time it's of MJF's pal, Sean Spears. And Sean Spears uh, talks about how basically Dustin Rhodes' career is over because of what happened to him in his match against Lance Archer, where Lance Archer slammed his head repeatedly into the mat and he was bloodied. And there was one man who could have ended this match and saved his brother, and that man is Cody. But Cody did not do that. So Sean Spears talks about how he has a brother and how he would protect his brother from anything, but clearly Cody isn't of the same mind, and he couldn't protect his own brother. So Sean Spears is surprised. At, you know, as a person, he couldn't live with that if it had happened to him and his brother. But clearly Cody's okay, and he's living life moving on. So Sean is going after Cody, but he doesn't really make any... I mean, like, it's just like an insult video. It doesn't seem like he's trying to get him to fight him. He's just insulting him. Not immediately, but, I, you know, Cody has... Cody's, uh, I don't know, you need a flowchart to kind of, you know, like, map out all of Cody's different feuds that are, like, still simmering. Yeah. Because I guess it's not fair to say this one was solved in the... Or, or closed out in the TNT Championship tournament, even though Cody did beat him. But yeah, because Sean's still talking about him. So, so you got Sean Spears. You got you know, like I, I think you have to assume that there's still something lingering with MJF. You got the Inner Circle uh, thing that was supposed to be you know taken care of at, uh, at Blood and Guts, which is delayed. And you've also got uh, Archer. True. He's dealing with and a I, lot of stuff. Yeah, and MJF and Sean Spears are like besties now, right? So that could be a thing. Yeah, and I assume like Search for Spears is just on hold because Tully's not around. And yeah, I don't know how many people would want to be responding to that now, even if they got called up. Uh, but yeah, speaking of these two all being best friends uh we go from both of these videos to an interview tony is conducting ringside where sean spears mjf and wardlow are hanging out um they're all drinking wine because they're classy fellas mm -hmm. uh sean spears uh, is now shaved unlike in the video <laughs> yeah he is you could do that in like a day it's fine you can do that in like 15 minutes yeah he just we just wanted a fresh look from afternoon from this morning. But uh, 
So MJF compliments Sean's beers for his lack of beard, actually. And then also because he thinks he's the bravest man in the world for calling Cody what he is, an American sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) And Sean Spears is like, thanks, man. But also, congrats on your incredible comeback. So they're doing that whole compliment thing where you can't accept a compliment. You just keep going back and forth. Um, Mm -hmm. They love each other, clearly. And they're pretty happy until Tony breaks the news that none of them have heard, and that is that MJF has been signed for a match with Jungle Boy at Double or Nothing. Spit take. Indeed. So that was great. Um, That'll be a fun match. Yeah, I know MJF has insulted various members of the Jurassic Express before, but I can't remember if there's any background outside of that to these two. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is. I think they wrestled in a four-way match at, ooh, I want to say, Fighter Fest. It was those two, Hangman and maybe Kip. And there was a really cool spot where Jungle Boy... The other three were on the floor, and Jungle Boy did, like, a 450, but he was standing, facing away from them, so he, like, jumped backwards and 450 on them. He, like, tucked, basically. Oh, I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, it was, like, super scary looking, actually. Yes. But I can't, like you said, I can't remember which pay-per-view that was, but okay. I think it was, I think it was Fighter Fest. Yeah, that's probably the only time that they would have um, interacted, at least in uh, AEW. Okay. Because MJF uh, seemed concerned, more so than I would have expected him to be. That's a good thing to put over your opponent. True. Especially if you're going to beat him. Oh. Well, it made me miss Jungle Boy, so I'm happy that at least by May 23rd, He'll be back somewhere in the mix because he doesn't make it onto this show. Um, Will California have lightened up their stay-at-home order by that point? uh, They must have already because uh, the Jurassic Express were in full force at these tapings. They were advertised for a match for next week, which is being taped like right now probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody, like, in, you know, SCU came in. Oh, that's obviously. right, that's yeah. right. And Excalibur came in, and... I didn't know Excalibur lived in California. Okay, yeah. And I think the only California guys who didn't come were the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, new baby at home is what I think JR said. Sense. It was Adam Page, Jimmy Havoc, uh, Jungle Boy, and MJF. So it was Havoc, not Sabian. And Adam Page won at Fighter Fest. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the people who didn't come in. I was like, Havoc came in for the last tapings. Yeah. Uh, MJF also beat uh, Jungle Boy in a singles match on the February 12th Dynamite. But I guess we're probably supposed to forget about that since it was pre-COVID times. I've forgotten about everything pre-COVID. Yeah. Feels like well, it was, it was five years 40 ago, years so. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. March alone felt like five years. Yeah. I don't mean... 
forget March, April. Like, what month are we in? <laughs> May. I have to what ask year? that every day. <laughs> Seriously, guys, there have been Fridays where I thought it was Monday, which is like a weird switch from mm. you know the usual confusing of days, but it right. all blends together. That is weird. That it really is, does. Yeah. <sighs> but that's better. That's a better realization than waking up on Monday and thinking it's Friday. It's true. It's true. I just feel like everything's just so nebulous now. Well, something that I know is not nebulous, Megan, is your love for one Jonathan Moxley. Oh, no, it's so clear and it will never change. I saw the Cage Fighter trailer, by the way. Oh, it looks terrible. Oh, no, it's not a WWE production, so it's going to be terrible, but not in a fun way. No, I mean, it looks terrible in a really fun way. Okay, good. Sometimes things can be terrible in a terrible way, and it's just not helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's coming out this month, though, so. Okay, well, I propose a 12 rounds three cage fighter marathon. That's all I'm saying. Sounds good. We can do that virtually. Yeah. Hell yeah. So Cage Fighter might not be the best ever. We'll see. But this match, John Moxley did prevail, as I expected to happen. I don't know about you guys, but he did the paradigm shift to get the win over Kazarian. Um, but Kazarian got a lot of offense. It made him look good, I thought. Got a lot of offense, had a lot of hair. Yeah, like EC3. He's letting the hair thing go. You think he looks like EC3 with the hair? Do. Do you guys? I can see it a little bit. Although it's funny, like now that like EC3 is is gone from WWE, and he's he's like putting up these uh, these videos now for his new like iteration of his character. He's uh, shaved his head. Oh. So he's trying to look like Kaz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he still has his goatee though, but. Uh, um, or he has a goatee now. I guess you haven't seen him with a goatee, but yeah. So he's, he's bald and has a goatee. That is weird to think about. Yeah, I don't know what the there. It's I don't know. Like I, I like it when guys get released from WWE and they do creative stuff like like Moxley did with his video, um, his breaking out of prison video. You know. Yeah. Is this EC3 doing that to try and get on the radar of other companies or just probably and probably just to like kind of develop his character further. Okay. Is he still called EC3? Yeah, yeah. He he owns the he owns that. Oh wow, I'm surprised because he was using it in WWE and they usually, you know, copyright that stuff or whatever. For whatever reason, TNA or Impact at some point decided that they were gonna let people use and have the rights to whatever they gimmicks they had, even even if TNA came up with them. So that's how Matt Hardy, because even though he came up with it, he, he came up with it in TNA, the broken stuff. So, mm-hmm. but like Impact agreed to let him like own it, basically. Okay. I, I mean, good. I'm glad. I think they should have the rights to their characters. They're independent contractors. So why not? Mm-hmm. But yeah, what did you think of this match overall? I really liked it. It was nice seeing Kazarian in a different context. And 
you know, they 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 kind of told a story of like this guy is a tag team wrestler, but he's like a really good one. You know, he's his his record is crazy because he you know he's he's wins all the time as part of a tag team, but can he like make the jump to singles? And ultimately, he could not. Uh, but then again, he was up against like literally the best guy. So yeah, he made a big leap when he tried for singles. He yeah. could probably do fine against not the champion. Yeah, yeah, but I, I thought the match itself was super good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, now, after the match, Dark Order came out and did their Dark Order dance, where uh, basically the the Putty Patrol swarmed John Moxley and beat him up, and amongst them was the guy that they're calling Ten, mm-hmm. and SCU ran out to try and help, but. Ten gave Scorpio Sky a big spine buster that took him out of the game. And I think just another generic dude hit Christopher Daniels with something on the outside. So both of those men were dispatched quickly. Well, um, Daniels got Daniels got hit by uh, the next uh, gentleman who came out. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So he, he also got a move put on him by one of the lesser guys. But yeah, oh. Brody Lee. Brody Lee walks out with a metal chair and Christopher Daniels is I think recovering from the move he had taken before standing up on the stage and Brody Lee just knocks him out with the chair um and then he gets in the ring and he hits Moxley with the discus lariat and calls off his patrol people basically but takes the mic gets on there to say that you know he's here because last week Moxley basically put a bounty on his own head and so He's just here to answer it. And Moxley's been so big with the crowd and having everyone support him that this week there is no crowd and there's no one here to save him from the Dark Order. Um, he made so the comment... all the baby-faced wrestlers in the crowd. Yeah, but they did not move. Six feet. <laughs> six feet. Social distancing rules say you cannot come in safe. Um, but Brody Lee dropped the line that... Um, you know, he's not the same person Moxley used to look in the eye in the past. So, you know, we all know the great Shield-Wyatt family feud. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. But they're not the same. So, Brody nice Lee tip, wants... tip of the hat to that, though. Yeah, I was happy because I, I hope they're friends. I'm that sure was a, are. That was a good feud. Uh, but Brody Lee wants that championship, and Moxley has it. So, he's coming for it. Um, he throws the mic at Moxley, who's laying on the ground, and says, answer my challenge. I demand it, basically. Um, and Moxley, in his typical form, picks up the mic and says, dude, all you had to do was ask, and then laughs, and then gets beaten up for his effort there. I like that. It was a very, it was a very Moxley. It, was, it seemed like a very genuine Moxley kind of response to that situation. Yeah, like he he's just like uh, unthreatened, not taking it seriously, and it's just like okay, bro. Um, but Brody Lee, he's delivered the title which Moxley had dropped, obviously, by one of his henchmen, and then he just takes it. And we are told by the announcers multiple times that Brody Lee just has it now. Shouldn't do that. I feel like I feel like it's bad luck to to take it to like hold a title before you won it. Yeah, if you steal it, you're getting bad karma on it, you know? Yeah, you don't want that juju. No, you don't. 
I, I appreciated that they kind of classed up the putties now. They don't really look like putties anymore. They're uh, they're kind of like, they're dressed up a little bit now. They are, except for the one who is apparently the buffest, 10. Well, he is he has shirtless. To have, he has to have, like, marker drawn on his chest. So. <laughs> yeah. I know Jenny disagrees, but I think the Dark Order is way better since uh, Birdie Lee came in. They, yeah, I feel like they needed strong leadership and let Uno and Stu Grayson be higher ups or whatever, if if that's still a thing. But if they're ever allowed to... to come back from Canada. Yeah. Is that I didn't realize is that where they're stuck? Yeah. Yeah. That's they live in stuck. Canada though, right? Yeah, they live in Canada, yeah. I'm always whenever you guys say stuck, like I get worried that someone didn't make it home. Yeah. For the well, Will Osprey and B Priestley live in Japan, but they're stuck in England. Yeah, I did know that. But I think they kind of did that on purpose so Will could be with his mom during the. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Aw. Seems like maybe they're living in his mom's basement. Are they? Seems like they're in a one room oh, situation. That's too bad. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that they've just chosen to only. Share photos from one room that includes their bed and like oh, a hangout area. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> oh, well, they're taking care of family. So good for you, Will. <sighs> all right. With that all done, and Brody Lee in the wind with Moxley's title. We go to a video, which I was so thrilled with. I loved it so much. Brandy is a badass. She is sitting in, I guess, her office, but it looks scary because it's dark. And she's talking about specifically to Jake, the snake, Lance Archer's manager, in case you've forgotten. Uh, She says she's received his messages, the explicit ones, where he beat up or had Lance Archer beat up Dustin and go after QT and all that stuff. Um, But she knows that the next move is for them to go after her and basically use her as a way to trap Cody. So she says, that's cool, that's cool, but it's not 1991, so that won't work now because she's an independent woman. And if Jake slaps her, she'll hit him back. She doesn't need her husband to save her. And Brandy says, my mom has some advice that I think you need to hear. And it is don't fuck with people you don't know. So, (laughs) yeah, it's good advice. Jake doesn't know her. Jake knows all the people around her, but he doesn't know her. And Brandy is such a badass and I love her. And she says, from now on, Jake, keep my name out of your dirty old mouth. It was spicy. It was. It was so good, though. I was like, "Damn, Brandy, get it, girl." She's great. She's such, she's such a good uh, she's such a good performer. Yeah. Jenny, how did you feel about this one? I I liked this part. <laughs> I am with you. We'll get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If uh, the, I I enjoyed her, you know, standing up for herself and being a strong woman. But um, if her being a strong woman had to cause the second part, I would have preferred to not see her promo. 
Yeah, I feel um, we'll get to it. Um, okay, so the second part, it well, following this is basically QT Marshall has a match against Lance Archer because bless his heart, QT, I guess, thinks he's gonna avenge Dustin, which is silly. Um, but yeah, and also Jake, he makes an appearance, he's here, he's wearing a mask, which is good because he's older and health, but he's here. Doesn't stop him from acting not old. Yep. Um, he's intermittently wearing a mask. It's true. I have some <laughs> thoughts about that, too. Um, so Lance Archer, as you'd expect, destroys QT Marshall. I actually think QT got more offense in than he maybe should have. But still, Lance is very scary, and he destroys him and uh, uses his blackout move to pin him. But instead of pinning him, he pulls his head up. So that it's only a two count. And then he repeats his performance from when he fought Dustin and just slams his head against the mat repeatedly, which looks super violent. I I just think that um, this went longer than it needed to go. Yeah, right? Like, this, this made me think less of Lance Archer, actually, that he, it took him eight minutes to put away QT Marshall. I thought that was weird too. Yeah, I just I just don't think they built QT up enough to believably last this long with Lance Archer. I guess they were hoping that you would believe that his passion for the Nightmare Family would drive him to do well. I I don't know. It was surprising to me. I'm like, how are Never. you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Go ahead. I think you're going to ask. The, a question that's relevant. <laughs> well, I was just going to say it's never driven him to perform well in the past. I mean, he went up oh. against Wardlow and was beaten down in like 30 seconds after the the whipping incident. Oh my god, that's true. Oh, Lance, you should have murdered this man. Right, Andy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did actually do a pretty good job of a little character piece for him on uh, Road 2 this week where he went to Diamond Dallas Page's house and they had a uh, social distancing conversation through glass uh, and uh, <laughs> he asked him for for help, uh, you know, like some advice, you know, going up against Lance Archer this week and that was pretty good, but it, it did not, you know, maybe he should like beat somebody first, right? Like... <laughs> Yeah, he's been sold to us as pretty, like, Sean Spears level or possibly lower. Oh, lower. I'd say lower. I he, would say, like, Peter Avalon level. Because he's only really been able to win when he's with with the tag team with Dustin. Yeah, that was what elevated him for me is, well, at least he's getting stuck with people who can win. But, yeah, you're you're probably right. It's more Peter Avalon level. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was surprised at the length of the match just because it wasn't a long match where Lance murdered him. It was a match where QT actually succeeded in fighting a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but good for him, I guess. I mean, I maybe his downfall was when Britt Baker took her shoe and hit him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, did you not enjoy that part? Well, I don't know. I just like... 
they did the shoe thing with her like the last time she was in the crowd, and it was the exact same shoe. That's her high spot. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, I would assume she would own more than one shoe. <laughs> Those are her fancy shoes. And now she has to buy new ones because Brandy ran over and took that shoe and then chucked it into the seats. Well, she found it. She was standing with two shoes with the stuff later that went oh. outside. So she must have found it somehow. She must be psyched that uh, that they're doing all this stuff in Jacksonville for the foreseeable future, because that's only a two-hour drive for her. It's closer. Yeah. Yeah. Then have to like get on a plane, you know, to go to work the next day. Yeah. Nobody get on planes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Brit. Some, pe- some people definitely got on planes this this week. Yeah. I know they should have drove. I know that's a lot, but what now, else are you doing? This is probably like minor comfort to you guys, but I do happen to know because he said it on his podcast that uh, uh, JR is, he's just hanging out in Jacksonville for like the next couple, at least through the pay-per-view. Okay. Where's he from normally? Oklahoma. That makes me feel good because he's an older gentleman and has health issues clearly in the past and uh, just... He is the highest risk, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like him and Jake and, well, you know, Arn and Tully, they, they've kept them home, so. Yeah, that's probably. I was surprised Jake, sh- I mean, I get why he showed up now, but at the same time, it's like he's he's an old man with questionable health. <laughs> yeah. It was so important they do this, Megan. <laughs> I know. Okay, so let's get to what we've all been dancing around here. Um, because Britt interacted with Brandy in this way, in in which she she hit QT in the head, so Brandy threw a shoe. This is a big affront. So after the match, Britt DDT'd Brandy on the outside and then tossed her into the ring where Lance was. And Lance dragged her by the foot to the center of the ring. And then Jake pops up. With, uh, you know, his signature reptile in hand. Um, and he goes to the center of the ring and he puts the snake on her and it's just... Okay, so multiple issues here. One, he gets close to her and then was like, I'm going to take the mask off. Which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. You wore your mask the whole time on the outside. You don't take it off the closer you get to someone. So he takes off his mask. Then he does some sexual movements, which are like, you are a gross old man. This is so not fun to watch. Yeah, he gets on top of her and he pelvis thrusts her. Yeah, with the snake, on, you know, like... In between I, them. Yeah, it's just like, okay, I get it, but it is not 1991. Why are we doing this? Um, and then there were just multiple other points where like the snake he he was like moving the snake around on her and there were you know it's just like the snake got sexualized a lot guys in a way that i was uncomfortable with. yeah don't sexualize the snake we're not in 1990 it wasn't even okay back in 1990 to do this shit like do not get on top of a woman <sighs> in the ring and forcibly pelvis thrust yourself onto her this is not okay we, this is not the Attitude Era, guys. 
No, and if what you do, what the fuck are we doing here, guys? If you do, put leave your mask on. Why'd you take your mask off? <laughs> I know it's not the most egregious part, but like, leave the mask on. Do you ever see the Megan? I don't know if you were watching during this. Might have been this might have been before you. Yeah, it was. I think it was definitely before you started watching uh, WWE again because it was earlier in the Shield's run. Did you ever see the episode where Jake Roberts, like, put the snake on Ambrose? I did. I did. And then I heard Ambrose talk about it on, I think it was the Steve Austin podcast, and he was, like, gleeful. He loved it so much. He loved it, but he also, like, you could tell, like, I don't know if he got tickled or if he just couldn't contain his his happiness because he, like, he's smiling. Like, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, he was definitely, like... But you could tell he loved it. He was yeah. not afraid, and he was just like, "Yay!" Um, also, I will say that Ambrose, the man version of this, Jake put it the snake fully on his chest, and then did not thrust at him. So I feel yeah. like it's not an equal opportunity move, and maybe he should think about his thoughts on gender. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no, no, you know, no homo, Megan. Oh, <laughs> I am livid. I, I. I this is the worst offense that AEW, and I and I feel like there have been some bad offenses, and this is the worst. I do wonder if do if not Jay, defend this. I'm not I'm okay. Not. I was just about to say I do wonder if Jay called an audible and did that the the, the pelvic thrust thing on the fly. I feel well, like he should be fired. Yeah, for such I, mega, he should. This this is not okay. I am fired the fuck up about this. Wow. I was wondering the same thing though because they're this is an inclusive company and they're very strong on like you know not doing weird bad things and sexual assault is pretty high on the list of bad things you could do and so or it was Brandy's idea. I don't think it was Brandy's idea. And oh, if no. it was then it's still a bad idea and they shouldn't have done it. Yeah, I'd feel better about it if she suggested it though. I, I don't. Okay. I would, start to question her. I would start to question her and be like, why would you want, the, like, wh- why is the trope of, um, like, we, we just, in the last segment, we're trying to break out of the trope of man has fight with man, goes after man's supposed property, his woman. It's like, we're just backsliding to when the that was a good thing, like, yeah, it's like 10 steps backwards. And even if it was her idea, like, sure, okay, then she's fine with it. But as a woman, I'm not fine with it. And I'm the, a woman who has to watch this. Like, Yeah, little girls, do you really need them to see that and think, oh, cool, that's fun. Like, no. it's just, it's especially when they, like, I don't, he didn't do it on purpose, but they're, like, because it's a snake and it's a living thing. Um but at one point, the snake had wiggled between her legs, and then he made like weird, lewd gestures to Lance to be like, <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, that's really gross. <laughs> Can we not? Uh, yeah, it was very attitude era y. Um, I, I, I hope that, like, I did not like it. I, I could have definitely done without this, but uh, I can, I hope that this does result in like, like she needs to get direct revenge on Jake Roberts for this. Like this, this shouldn't be a thing where Cody gets revenge for her. Well, 
yeah, but honestly, even if she does, it's still 10 steps back for women. It should never have happened. It's something I'm embarrassed that I watched this show. And if we had, like, a daughter, I would not allow her to watch this show because that is not the image that I would want to present to young women or any women or anyone. It's not okay, people. Okay. It, it was also the first time I agreed with JR, and he's, he said his quote was, the symbolism of this is so distasteful and so disrespectful to Brandy and her family. And I was like, yes, thank yes. you. Like, it is distasteful. I want to highlight it, that part. It, it is distasteful and it's disrespectful. It, it's, yes, I agree. <sighs> so that, I mean, I don't know. I I would fully believe Jake called an audible. I, I want to believe Brandy didn't say definitely sexualize me with your weird snake. Um, but we, I guess we'll never know. But I agree with Andy. Brandy does have to be the one to just take this old man down. And I'm not usually one for elderly violence, but I think in this case it's warranted. Yeah, totally. So this was the low point. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, so so moving on from there, we go to an interview video with Taz talking to Darby Allen, and he's pulling a Tony on this one because his question is more of an insult than anything. He says... Hey, Darby, how are you feeling about after you pinning yourself and making several mistakes in that last match with Cody? Hey, idiot. How's it yeah. feel to be such a dum-dum? Do you hate yourself? You should. And when Darby doesn't react favorably to this line of questioning, uh, Taz goes, hey, man, I could help you. One professional to another, like, I, I could help you. Let's talk offline. And Darby just looks at him and then walks away. And Taz looks offended that Darby didn't jump to take his help after basically being like, you suck. Why'd you mess up so much? But uh, do you think Taz is going to do anything about this? I, I, I mean, it seemed to me that maybe they're building to a thing where Taz mentors Darby a little bit. But I don't really, like, I just, it. I don't feel like they kind of go together. You know what I mean? No, Darby's vibe is way different than Taz's. Yeah. Like, if Taz was, like, the ECW, like, ass-kicking Taz, uh, who had, uh, you know, War Machine by Kiss as his entrance music, uh, then maybe I would feel differently. But, yeah, this is, like, kind of a, this is, like, very jovial kind of, like, Uncle Taz sort of character, and he doesn't really... I mean, maybe he's gonna like kind of go back, like go back to that or something to maybe. relate to the Darbster. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet Darby does like being referred to as the Darbster by his friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I I thought Taz looked offended when Darby walked away, but maybe I projected. I don't know. I mean, they, that could be too. But then the announcers were talking about like, hey, if I was, you know, offered coaching by Taz, I'd take it. Yeah, they were they were definitely like building that up. So, yeah, I certainly don't think they're building to a match because Taz, you know, Taz hasn't wrestled for like a really long time. No, was, and I, I would not want to see that match. No. Maybe they're just leading up to a pelvic thrust. Probably not because Darby's not a woman. 
<laughs> you can only pelvic thrust women, Jenny. Haven't yeah. you gotten the memo? I mean, that's what I've learned. I mean, the positive I took out of the the segment with Jake was what Andy said. I immediately thought of Dean Ambrose being like, I'm getting this dick put on me. Just being so happy about it. That's how I disassociated from the travesty that was occurring. Yeah. All right, guys. That takes us to our main event. Oh, boy. <laughs> quite a thing. Oh. <laughs> it's a street fight, so uh-huh. I... I feel like that immediately sets off Jenny's alarms. Um, and I'm so excited to hear her thoughts on this. But it what is, is a so street... much more. It's, it's a street <laughs> fight. It's a street fight between Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, known as Les Sex Gods, and Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy, who don't have a fun name, but they're just such an odd couple. They go together. Uh, so... The sex gods get the win when Chris Jericho pins Kenny after doing the Judas effect, but that really does not sell the rest of the match, which was it was something, man. It was a theatrical deal. Uh, so Andy, where would you like to start on this one? Because a lot of stuff happened, like a lot of stuff happened. So we start out with, uh, you know, with Sammy and Chris, and Kenny, and Broken Matt Hardy. Damascus. Yes, Damascus. Shortly into the match, Jericho, like, sends Damascus backstage, and he disappears for a while. Oh, by the way, this is, during this part of the match is when, um, and I'm guessing you didn't uh, hear this, because you probably would have, like, texted me or something, but when Kenny picks up Sam, you remember when Kenny picked up Sammy to go for You Can't Escape? I think, yes. Okay, so he picks him up to go for You Can't Escape before he even tries You Can't Escape and shouts You Can't Escape. He, as he's lifting him up, he says, I could do this all day. (gasps) Kenny! (laughs) I love it so much. Yes, I guess he would be like the the cap of uh, AEW. Yes, and especially the Elite. Yeah, yeah, especially the Elite. Because even though Cody is more patriotic, uh, uh, he's 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 too cocky to be Cap. He's got to be uh, Tony Stark. Oh yes, yes. If we want to cast the elite as the Avengers, we can totally do that. But <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they also they also played off the pineapple Pete uh, bit because he took a shot at Jericho when he came down, and they announced during the match that uh, pineapple Pete will be wrestling Chris Jericho next week, which Jim Ross was so incredulous. Of that fact, and, and he brought it up multiple times throughout the rest of the match. I thought that was really funny. Um, <laughs> As he should be, because you know who is Pineapple Pete? I, I yeah, well, I mean, he's somebody who clearly, you know, Jericho has been slowly building up a match with him on commentary for weeks now. By insulting his, he just, he his just buries him, buries him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so good for Sugar Dunkerton getting that uh, getting that spotlight next week. Yeah, I didn't um, mean who is he as in talent. I meant, like, yeah. Jericho. Who would he gain to fight? Right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, so Kenny's getting, you know, the worst of it. And then Matt Hardy runs back out, but it is, like, Hardy Boys era Matt Hardy. Classic <laughs> Matt Hardy. Classic Matt Hardy, which 
was funny because it was like a key point in the match, and only Excalibur seemed to understand what was happening. Which is surprising because, hi, JR, you yeah, were Yeah, JR, around. like, called all of those matches. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure if Tony was around, but I knew JR was. Yeah. Uh, no, Tony was busy uh, being in WCW at that uh, point in time. Okay. And, yeah, so Matt Hardy comes out. He Then he hits all of his, like, old Hardy Boy spots. He hits, like, the side effect and the twist of fate. He, he like, does the thing where he... Uh, he uh, gets on all fours and lets Kenny jump off his back like he's uh, Jeff Hardy. And uh, they're doing all kinds of fun stuff. He gets a ladder, he climbs up top, and he uh, and he puts Sammy through it uh, with a splash. It was through really the table. good. Yeah. yeah what I say, a ladder? I said, yeah, I'm at a table. Um, yeah, all this stuff was really, really good. Um, we go to a break, and when we come back, we're like kind of brawling around the, the, the venue now as we kind of get into the next stage of the match. Mm-hmm. And and there's a spot where the ice machine, where yes. Jericho pulls out a 20 pound uh, pound bag of ice and like hurls it at Matt Hardy's head, which you know, ouch. Like, sh- yeah, it's not like a <laughs> it's not like a slab of cement, but still, um, they end up he and Jake Hager end up throwing Matt Hardy into the the ice machine, and uh, just kind of saying, "All right, job done. <laughs> that takes care of him." Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other crazy stuff that happened. Jericho uh, picked up a cone and put it on his head, like a traffic cone, and put it yeah. on his head and went, Yay! like a That's witch. Right. And I'm just like, what the hell is happening? The with this wicked, match? Witch of, wicked Witch of Winnipeg, uh, Chris Jericho. I loved it. Uh, Kenny powerbombed, did a running powerbomb on Sammy Guevara into a steel shutter. Yes. That looked like it sucked. Uh, but it's not the craziest bump that Sammy would take uh, in this match. I thought at first Kenny was going to powerbomb him onto the concrete. And when he instead did the running powerbomb into the steel thing, I was like, well, I guess that's better for Sammy. Mm-hmm. By a little. Yeah. Uh, final. So like they, they, they kind of take over on uh, on Kenny again because they've got the numbers because they got Hager and they've got Sammy and, and uh, Jericho and Matt still in the ice uh, machine. But Matt, or rather, should I say Damascus, then Damascus. emerges, having done a costume change, which I really hope he did inside the ice machine. Like He probably oh. didn't because there's no reason for him to, but it would be great if he did. Um, he he uh, absconds with a giant golf cart. He has, he has a little trouble getting started with it. But... Uh, he he runs down Jericho, who uh, takes a very smart bump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just kind of, and then he helps. He he pulls Kenny into the golf cart, and then in the moment that launched a million memes today, uh, he and he and Kenny drive down Sammy Guevara, who's like doing like a full like Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible sprint, chopping the air with his with his uh, knife hands. But he's not and as fast as Tom Cruise. He's not as fast as Tom Cruise because he turns around and goes spinning like a top when he gets hit with the side of the uh, the golf cart. It looked so brutal. I was I was just in heaven watching this. I thought he had an idea to take a bump and then he did it wrong and just full on got hit by a golf cart. Yeah, yeah. It was, that may have happened. That may have been what actually happened. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, luckily, there was also a uh, a table that was set up by a scissor lift, and uh, oh. Kenny Kenny climbed up 
and like the scissor lift, it was in its down position, but then it like elevated as he was standing on it. And he then, posed. Like, Did you posed? see the pose? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty great. And then the bad guys, like uh, they, they, you know, they took over on uh, Matt Hardy, who was down there on the floor. So Kenny just like stood up on the railing of the scissor lift, which was very high in the air at this point, and did, like, one of the most precarious moonsaults you'll ever see, but they caught him perfectly, especially Jake Hager. Hager was right where he needed to be to uh, to absorb the, the bulk of that. Thank um, God. It was, it was a beautiful moonsault. Like, the form was perfect. It was. It was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so amazing. Th- then they're, like, they're so they're, now at this point, they're out, like, by the practice field for the Jaguars, and... And Kenny gets Jericho up to the one winged angel, but then Santana and Ortiz uh, like run in and they you know make their first appearance of the night, and and they you know they make the save they put they powerbomb Matt through a table Jericho powerbombs Kenny through like the roof of the cart, and then uh, they and then hits him with the Judas effect for the pin. This match was so great. Yeah, and I hate these kind of matches normally. But it was so wacky and, like, just a lot of fun. It was really fun. I actually enjoyed this, and I normally hate these matches. Yeah. I also thought at the beginning when Kenny and, okay, I guess Damascus was in full garb, but Kenny and Sammy were wearing jeans, and it just looked so unnatural. I'm like, oh, no, you're wearing jeans and cut-off <laughs> shirts because you're doing this, you're playing into this costuming. But in the end, I thought it was great. <laughs> Oh, it was it was such a blast! Like I, I watched it twice now because I, I watched it like kind of over Jenny's shoulder when she watched the second time, especially to see the like the big spots and uh, yeah, I'll never forget I'll never forget the moonsault and I'll never forget Sammy Guevara getting run down yeah. by by the golf cart. Oh, Jenny, have you seen the memes? I saw it on Instagram. I don't know if I saw like a specific you meme. Need to see them. They are oh, art. They're art. Here, I'll show you uh, this one here. <laughs> That's pretty good. I showed her the, uh, the, the everyone, 2020, 2020 versus everyone. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's depressing, but it's so good. There's John Connor uh, biking away from... Uh, oh, yes. The pursuit. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just... I. I'm so, I was just, I was so happy. I was so happy. Just it was watching this. so good. I also really love, because this would have been me, as soon as Damascus got control of that golf cart, he just like hit the horn 50 times. Cause it was like, <laughs> nee, 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 nee. I'm like, yeah, I get you. I would have done the same thing. I'm in a golf cart. Hell yeah. Use that horn. It sounds non-threatening and you're in a golf cart. So it is non-threatening, but man. And then the, the way they ended with that shot of the inner circle standing shoulder to shoulder, flipping off uh, the, you know, the, the fallen Kenny and Matt with like their backs to the giant practice field. And on the Jumbotron, there's an inner circle uh, graphic. It was so cool. Yeah, it's ugh, it was really good. I didn't expect I had no expectations for this match. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean it in a purely like, all right. You didn't, you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Like yeah. these two teams are fighting. And instead of just starting like teams, I say, because Matt Hardy is a wild card 
And the first match we get with him in it is just a crazy street fight where he's teamed up with Kenny. And then his Damascus Matt Hardy switches between. That was just theatrics that I was not expecting, but I loved. Ugh, so good. Yeah. I, you know, like the Jake Roberts segment aside, I loved this show. I thought there was so much energy and just life to it. Yeah, it's so good that we got to bring in people we haven't seen in a while. I mean, realistically, if I'm looking down the roster here, like like we got a Joey Janela, Nyla Rose. Um, MJF was featured, but not like in a match. I don't know. It was just they had a couple new people and they mixed up who they paired against each other in fun ways. So, yeah, I thought this was a really good one. And I just really liked seeing, I don't know, the outdoor venue was really nice it it felt comforting in a way mm-hmm. it's like the you know it's you know you know it's like their home turf you know yeah yeah and it was like i liked the shows where they were in the qt marshall school and it was a cool like indie vibe but seeing this it felt like they had broken out more which is so nice um so like i don't love that like, I still think we need to be cautious with the coronavirus and stuff, but it sounds like they're taking precautions, and if they're going to do it, I'm glad they're doing it carefully, and I cannot say that I would want them to stop fully because I really enjoyed this. So maybe I'm – there's part of me that's a bad person, but I'll watch it if they're going to do it live. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they're at least doing the testing the actual like coronavirus testing that makes me feel a little bit better. I do hate that they're doing the, the air travel though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully more people are stick to staying and like, hopefully they're just paying for more people to like be put up for a couple weeks to get through this stuff. But uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so yeah, I think we all agree. Good show this week. Um, problematic Jake Roberts segments. <laughs> Uh, aside, but uh, otherwise very good. Uh, let's talk ratings, Megan. Okay. As NXT did 663,000 viewers, up 4% from last week, and a .18 in the demo, which was good for 33rd place, so uh, that's two weeks in a row of uh, top 50 uh, placing for NXT. Good for them. Hey, I saw the meme. NXT. Yeah, yeah. Sammy and... Yeah, yeah. Chasing down that, 50, that top 50 spot. Uh, and Dynamite was up uh, 5.6% in total viewers from last week. At 732,000 viewers, they were at a 0.28 rating, finishing 12th in the demo. And I believe if you take away news, they were second in the demo. So they they actually, uh, it was like a nice, nice improvement for them this week. Good. Okay, so do you think live makes a difference i think having more of the roster available makes a difference okay that's fair i think that was the biggest thing like i would i would expect next week to do well as also and that's going to be a tape show so so okay so this week was live but then i i don't understand the programming did they only do this week live so that they could tape a bunch of stuff while the people are around and then they're not going to do live shows so okay so this is what the schedule is 
Yesterday was live, obviously. Uh, next week is taped. I think they're taping it right now, or they might be done by now. Then, um, because the week after that will be like three days before the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. they're going to do that one live, keep everybody around until Saturday, do the pay-per-view, and then I don't think they've announced what they're doing after the pay-per-view. Okay, and they're doing the pay-per-view live. That's the idea, I think. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know 100 percent uh, for sure. Uh, here's, but here's like the biggest takeaway from the ratings for me, and this is from uh, reporting that Dave Meltzer did in the Observer newsletter. Uh, so that point two eight they did in eighteen to forty nine. Uh, they they also did so in in just eighteen to thirty four men. They actually beat Raw. Okay. In that demo. Is it because Jake the Snake was there? Wow. Being being disgusting. I I don't think so. I think it's just I, you know I think I think Raw is like a really cold show right now and and AEW hasn't cooled off that much because it just you know it just feels like a more lively show. So I yeah. think this is this is the first time AEW has beaten Raw in any demo. Well, good. I, I'm glad. I mean, I, I'm surprised it wasn't more of a competition, but I'm glad. Yeah. Now, granted, uh, this was the uh, the least watched Raw in the history of that television program, dating oh. back dating back uh, 27 years. Wow. Okay. But uh, yeah, you know. Do they need that 27 years? Yeah. That's really what? bad. Yeah. The, the the historic lows used to be talked about in a uh, in like modern WWE context, but now it's like all time. Wow. Yeah. People do not like the empty arena wrestling, and they are not helping things by not having anybody out there and having it be so sterile and cold, you know? Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't. I kind of thought at a certain point they would take a page out of AEW's book. Me too. I'm, I'm guessing that they haven't, just for that very reason that AEW did it first, and like they don't want to. Like Vince doesn't want to copy that, even though it's working. Because oh. I think that's a big part of why AEW's been able to still put on entertaining shows is because there's like atmosphere. Yeah, you have to have some sort of crowd noise even if it's only a couple people it makes such a difference because I'm I keep thinking about the Moxley Hager match which as far as match quality goes was good but I was so distracted by the complete and other utter like silence mm-hmm. around that ring yeah yeah it's yeah I, I agree with you yeah it's it was it was it's jarring um but anyway <sighs> Well, let's get into a little bit of news. We have we have a bit, just a bit. Uh, Brian Myers, who uh, is better known as Kurt Hawkins from his WWE days, was uh, giving an interview to ComicBook.com, and of you know he's obviously tight with the writer, and uh, of AEW, he said, "I mean, obviously, I'd love to work for AEW. I haven't missed an episode. I've watched everything from day one." I have a ridiculous amount of friends involved in that company, so I'm always rooting for them. 
I'm rooting for what their impact on the business is as a whole. They've made it better for everybody. So I would never say never to anything. I've even enjoyed their no fan presentation a lot better than WWE. I think they're doing the best with that scenario. There's so much opportunity once the world starts to turn back. I see the light at the end of this coronavirus tunnel here, and I think things are going to normalize to the new normal. And prior to this, wrestling was on fire, man. There was just so much opportunity everywhere. So it sounds like he has his sights set on AEW. Do you think they have their sights set on him? I don't know. I really think that Ryder's going to get a shot because he's, you know, he and Cody are so tight, though. That and is still I mean, really weird I, to me. <laughs> yeah, but I think, and I think that like bringing them in as a tag team makes sense. Mm-hmm. I see more for them to do in that scenario than as Ryder as a single, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so I, th- I think I think that that's possible. I really like him. I've been li- I started listening to he and Ryder's uh, action figure podcast, <laughs> and uh, it's it's really entertaining. And uh, he's he's super likable. Oh, well, that's good. I I hope he does well for himself. I just him and Zack Ryder, picturing them in this company. I don't know. It's like the vibe doesn't match. Picturing Zack Ryder anywhere but WWE is like, it, it doesn't really compute for me. Yeah. I saw a Ryder interview this week that was really interesting, actually. I'm sorry, uh, Matt Cardona. Got to get used to that. Um, actually, he was, it's funny, on the podcast last week, he was talking about how when he had his pool designed, he almost had a huge Zack Ryder logo put at the bottom of it and he's so <laughs> glad now that he didn't do that <laughs> yes <laughs> that's a very expensive fix yeah uh but no but he was he was saying that oh shoot what was i i lost my train of thought um zach Ryder and kurt Ryder and Hawkins. oh Ryder Ryder was saying that he actually was not sure that he was, he said his contract was coming up in August and he had been kind of negotiating with WWE for the better part of a year. And he had not yet signed anything to renew his, you know, his stay with the company. So he was, it kind of sounded like there was a decent chance that he was going to be leaving anyway. Oh, I mean, he has lasted a really long time. Yeah. 13 years, I believe. So I wouldn't have been surprised, but I don't know. He's a weird one. I So I would think that if he was already kind of thinking about leaving, that he probably had a landing place in mind. I guess so. I just, you know, it's going to be weird to see him if he pops up. I'm not against it. I just can't picture him anywhere else besides WWE doing the Zack Ryder gimmick. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what, you know, what Matt Cardona, it, like, what that even means, right? It, like, doesn't even, it doesn't even sound right when you say it. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, they've got, they've got a couple of guys who could, like, really, uh, like, go to, like, toy fairs and hype their action figure lines. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh... In other news, we've got a bit of a partial lineup for Double or Nothing coming up on uh, the 23rd. 
uh, in case you didn't get it by context during the uh, the AEW dragon uh, led for us. We got John Moxley defending the AEW World Title against Mr. Brody Lee. MJF versus Jungle Boy, Cody versus Lance Archer for the TNT Championship, and intriguingly, and I don't think you mentioned this during the recap, Megan, a casino ladder match for a future shot at the world title. I did not mention that, but that was brought up on this show. Which is more compelling to me than a casino battle royal. Sure, yeah. I'm glad they're keeping, you know, the casino branding, though, uh, even though they're not going to be anywhere near Vegas. Do you think there's going to be a casino element to the ladder match? Because the Battle Royale had, like, cards or whatever. I, I forget what. They had rules, and it was more complicated than, like, a Royal Rumble. But I never quite absorbed what they were. Yeah, it was like there were suits of cards, and every suit had, like, five people in it. And you just all came out, like, five at a time with your suit. So it wasn't, like, one-by-one one entrance. It was five, It was, like, five at a time, I think. Okay. But, yeah, so I'm interested in that. Moxley versus Lee feels a little bit rushed to me, but I think they're kind of in a situation where this probably wasn't their first choice and maybe they don't want to give away. Like, I I don't know what it was going to be. I would, that's that's the thing I would most love to, to know because, you know, we know that Tony Khan plans so far in advance. I would love to know the original lineup for Double or Nothing. Like, what yeah. was that card going to be? Yeah. Like, who were, who were Hangman, who were Mega Hung going to defend the tag team titles against? Who was Moxley going to defend his title against? Like, was this TNT championship even, like, something that was going to exist at this point? There's a lot of questions. Yeah. But we are taking what we can in this coronavirus time. Yeah. Uh, and final news item, something that just came out today. It's a weird, really weird story. Uh, this is from uh, Andrew Thompson over at Post Wrestling. The Maryland State Athletic Commission has confirmed that All Elite Wrestling was fined $10,000 for their unsanctioned lights out match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley at the Full Gear pay per view last November. What? Post Wrestling's John Pollock reached out to the commission, and the following was sent back. In response to your, via, to your via email inquiry, the Maryland State Athletic Commission is confirming that a consent order was entered into recently between licensed promoter All Elite Wrestling and the commission as a means of settling case number MSAC 2002. The commission considers the actions it has taken in the consent order and the requirements within to be a deterrent to any future violations of a similar nature. The complaint about the match was filed by former WCW announcer Christopher Cruz. He put up a post on Facebook and shared his thoughts about the fine and how things would ultimately play out. Look, the easy thing to say in response to the $10,000 fine levied on AEW by the Maryland State Athletic Commission is that it is pocket change for a billionaire. I get that, but it ain't nothing. And it is public, or will be on May 20th when the commission meets and then posts the consent order on its website and distributes it to all other commissions throughout the country. And keep in mind that the next violation will result in a revocation of their license in Maryland and possible show stoppage. In the middle of a match, the commission is on notice now that others are watching its actions. This puts AEW on notice as well and embarrasses the company. By this time tomorrow, the story will spread far and wide, and it will appear in mainstream publications. 
this is a black eye for AEW and for the business. What? It doesn't really feel like it's that big of a deal. So this is basically the background of this thing. AEW has 30 days to pay the fine. A few weeks after the complaint was filed, it was noted in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that Chris Cruz contacted the commission and asked about their rules regarding blading and whether a match can continue or not if a wrestler is bleeding. The commission told Cruz that it prohibits wrestlers from deliberately lacerating themselves or their opponents or introducing human or animal blood into the match, none of which happened in that match. John Moxley was victorious in the aforementioned match against Kenny Omega, and fast forward to present day, Moxley is anyway. So basically, this guy just like, I don't know why he had an, a, a vendetta against AEW. Maybe he was mad that they didn't hire him to be the ring announcer or something, but he narked on the Moxley Omega match, which did not have intentional blood in it. What about the Dustin Cody match? Well, that didn't take place in Maryland, where there's an athletic commission that, that oversees pro wrestling. Oh. So, yeah, so this guy narked, and as a result, AEW got fined $10,000. This is so weird. Yeah. Right? I'm confused. <laughs> like, there was blood in that match, but it wasn't... I, I'm pretty sure I, that nobody bladed. I think it was just, like, because there was, you know, there were, like, weapons and stuff. Yeah, like... Um, I don't want to say fake, but, you know, I feel like at one point there was, like, a freaking barbed wire platform that yeah. Kenny got. And yeah. yeah, like, I think there was plenty of stuff that would naturally cause you to bleed. And I don't remember a ton of blood. That's the thing is, like, it wasn't like when Cody has matches, basically. Yeah. That wasn't even, like, uh... A... You know, it wasn't even, it wasn't even, I don't even think it was equivalent to Sheeta busting open uh, Britt Baker a couple weeks ago. No, not even. That was an accident, right? Yeah, that was a total accident, yeah. But, uh, anyway, no, I just thought, what a weird story. Like, what, what a, like, what a strange guy to, like, to do, like, why? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Boredom. I guess, yeah. Bitterness. Yeah. I it's so weird. I think, I think bitterness is probably right. Yeah. Anyway, so that happened and uh yeah. I we'll see if they go back to Maryland after that. I'd be pissed. I, what are you looking at, honey? I was still working. Oh I thought maybe, down now. It, it looked like there was something like No, my shutdown button was hidden by my water bottle. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right, that just leaves the Dynamite preview for the May 13th, 2020 show. We've got a full lineup here, guys. We've got an interview with Lance Archer and Jake Roberts, so you can talk about his uh, his humping. Ugh, don't. We've got MJF in action. We've got, uh, as we mentioned, Penelope Ford versus Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander versus Hikaru Shida in a four-way match. We've got Le Champion, Chris Jericho versus Pineapple Pete, a.k.a. Shug D. We've got the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, the Jurassic Express, back for the first time in quite a while against the Best Friends. Aww. So get some, probably get some Marco and Orange Cassidy uh, interaction there, too. It's going to be an adorable match. Yes, it will. And in the presumable main event, uh, sorry, in the presumptive main event, Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy team up again. Give it another try against Santana and Ortiz. Oh, yeah, because they messed up their shit. Yeah. 
I, I have a feeling they will win this one. Because I don't think you want to beat Matt Hardy in his first two matches. No, and this is much lower stakes. Like, there's not going to be... If the inner circle interfere, I assume it would be a DQ. Whereas the street fight, it's it's more anything goes. So this is just a straight-up tag team match. I don't know. You assume a lot of things would be a DQ in AEW, though, you know? I know. But I, I'm assuming, <laughs> like, if five people show up in the ring instead of just the two, that would be a problem? Yeah, one would hope. But uh, anyway, so that's next week. Uh, but... You know, that's all we've got for you this week, because there's just literally nothing else to talk about. And when that happens, what I usually do is say, for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.